right. Well, that's cool. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for being so welcoming. Um, yeah, just to promote Moody again, um, it's so awesome. It's a really good, really good school, best school I've ever been to. So I encourage you guys to get more information from, I don't know, Clark, me, um, Caleb out there. So I'm not here to promote that, um, here to promote Jesus, but I guess that's part of it. So that's good. Um, we, yeah, we're in a series called Jesus in His Own Words. And basically, through this series, we've been conducting an investigation on, well, who is Jesus? Um, we, we started this series back, in, back at Easter. So um, through this through that, um, we've been going over um, what does culture say? Um, we think that culture sees, uh, we, we live in a Jesus-saturated culture in which I think it'd be hard for you to find somebody who isn't familiar with the name of Jesus Christ, right? So a lot of people know the name, they've heard of Jesus. Um, it's a saturated culture in that way. Um, I, th I think we've also been saying that we are also living in a Jesus-confused culture as well. So though people know the name of Jesus, um, he's presented uh, differently. Like, there's tons of different viewpoints and presentations of who Jesus is, and um, that's just what our culture is filled up with. And then through the series, we're, we're looking at that, and we're asking, okay, well, what does, not, we're not asking what culture says about Jesus. We're not asking even what religion has to say about Jesus. But we want to ask, what does Jesus say about Jesus? What is, what is he saying in his own words? So we've been going through these, um, <clears throat> these claims that Jesus has in the book of John, um, and he's claiming who he is throughout the book. So this is just another claim we're going to look at today. And um, through that, we're going to say, okay, what, if this claim is true, then what does that mean about Christ? Okay, what does it mean about Christ? And if this claim is true, what does that mean about us personally? What are the implications for, for us then um, with that? So uh, we, are, we like to be Neil first people, is uh, kind of what we say at Medina. So I'm just going to go ahead and pray for us as we get into the word here. Uh, Father, I just, I just thank you so much for, for who you are, Lord, um, that you've given us your word to reveal um, for yourself who you are. So, Father, I pray that we would um, have open hearts and, and minds in and, and, uh, investigating that, that you would look at your claim and um, that you would reveal to us uh, who you are. Again, like we said, it, um, we live in a Jesus-saturated and a Jesus-confused culture. So there's tons of mis uh, misrepresentations of you, and there's tons of presuppositions we might have. Lord, I pray that we just kind of take that all away right now, and we just uh, look at your word, and that you would reveal yourself to us. So speak to us today. Um, it's in your name, Jesus. Amen. Very cool. So this past week, uh, I've been really into this one verse, and it's been just something on my mind the entire week, and I want to share this with you guys. If, if you guys have your Bibles, um, take it to Isaiah for me. Isaiah 53, uh, we'll look at the first part of verse 6. Uh, that's on page 511 in the Bibles in front of your, your chairs. should be some around you guys. Um, so if you don't have a Bible or you don't have a new translation of the Bible, take that Bible, write in it, write your name, highlight this uh, verse or circle it. It's a really good one. So take that. That's a happy Memorial Day. It's a gift for you. And um, so while you guys are flipping there, um, I want to ask this question as we're, as we're going through this verse. Question, like I said, this has been on my heart all week. How has your week been? What has your week looked like? Looking at the day-by-day day of what your week has looked like. Um, for some of you, I'm, I'm assuming that you guys have had, some of you have had awesome weeks, right? You've, it might not have been like a bad week at all. You just had, maybe you got a new job, maybe you got a raise, maybe you got a vacation, got a new relationship, you got the grade at Moody or whatever it is. Some of you guys, I'm assuming you have, have had an awesome week. Uh, for some of us, though, we might have had the opposite. We might have had a really bad week. could be the, the exact opposite of all that. Maybe our relationships are struggling or we're lost, we're confused about something. 
Um, maybe we lost a job, maybe something, maybe it's a time of mourning or, or something for you this last week. So just think about that. Think about your week and your day by day as, as we look into this verse, because that's, that's what I was doing myself. So Isaiah 53, um, verse 6, it says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And I normally read the ESV. I like what the ESV says. He, uh, the ESV, the Bible translation, puts it this way. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned, everyone, to his own way. Some of you guys are like, that says the exact same thing. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, maybe it's just the way I read it, but it just seems a little more dramatic that way. It seems more, a little more intense. But again, I'm a Moody Bible Institute student, so I'm kind of like, oh, that's cool. I like to look at different translations. So there's that for you. Um, so it's pretty simple what he's saying here, uh, what, what this verse is saying. It's saying we all are we're like sheep. We've gone astray at some point. Each of us, we've, we've some, at some point in our lives, we've, we've um, like pushed God away. And we've turned to our own way. We've turned to ways that are, that are of our own doing, that, that, are, that sounds good to us, instead of what, what God would have to say. And I think this is so true. Um, this last week, I, I just, just reminded of how many of us are, how many people in this world are just lost and, and hurt and confused and, and somewhat directionless in, in our approach to, to life or everyday situations. Um, and that we eventually just start going our own way and it, there's no consistency with kind of how we think or how we feel or what we do. We just kind of emotionally based, do our own thing, go our own way and become directionless in some way. Um, so the, the reason I'm saying this because my, my grandma, she just passed away a couple days ago. So um, this has really been heavy on my heart thinking about this. And uh, earlier in the week, you know, she, she was sent to the hospice, and so the family goes to the hospice, and we, we hang out with Grandma, and we hang out with the family, and um, just, just remembering um, several years ago when my grandfather passed away, I remember being in the same situation, a little different, though. I, I didn't know the Lord back then, and I just remember this idea of, like, wow, how lost I was, and I didn't know where my hope was at. I didn't know what happened when, when death hit. You know, I, I had all these different opinions and ideas, culture, people would talk about different opinions and ideas of where you go, what happens, and I just remember not having that hope, the hope that I have in Christ now. So, so this time, you know, coming, coming to the experience of death, I, I, see, I see the hope in Christ, and but at the same time, I see um, the people that are around me as I interact with family or friends around the hospice, and, and there's just such a huge need for, for some kind of direction and where we're led in our life and our decision-making and the way that we think on on even something like death, um, especially death, it's, it's something that I think, I mean, maybe you guys don't agree with me, but this is something that we as humans were defenseless against, right? Who of us can say, well, I'm going to defeat death, <laughs> right? It's something that we all have to face eventually. So this is my week, basically, um, and also interacting with people who, uh, you know, it really saddens me, interacting with people who used to go to church and who have had a glimpse of that hope, and now they've gone astray, kind of like Isaiah is saying. They've gone astray and they've gone their own way. And when death hits, it's like, well, I don't know. I'm directionless. So my week was a week of uh, celebrating life and mourning death. But it was also a week of you know, really seeing the urgency to, to point back to Jesus, who, who gives us hope and direction. So no matter what your week looks like, um, I, I'm pretty sure that we all have to make a decision in our day-by-day -day of the week. And, what we're going to allow lead us, what we're going to allow ourselves to follow in our day-by-day decision-making. So I want to go through some, 
Uh, I think there's a lot of voices in our culture who kind of steer us away, who kind of steer us astray. And I think there's a lot of voices in the culture that, that really um, might even be unbeneficial to, to lead us. So I'm going to put some, Clark, if you want to put some quotes on the, bo quotes on the board for me. Uh, you guys can't really read these, but I'll read them. You guys familiar with Starbucks? You guys ever heard of that? <laughs> Coffee? Okay. So I was at, um, I was at Starbucks uh, a week or so ago, and as I was picking up my scalding hot coffee, because for some reason it's like too hot to touch, let alone drink. I don't know if you guys had that experience. Maybe I'm just fragile. But <laughs> as, as my flesh is like burning, I'm looking at this holster, and I'm like, oh, that's, there's a quote right here. It's from Oprah. That's weird. So I looked it up, and um, have you guys ever heard of Tivana? It's this, this tea place. You know, if you like $6 cups of tea, you should go there. It's pretty good. Um, but I looked, up, uh, I looked up what was going on, so Oprah kind of had like, made her own chai, and she, she now has this like, advertisement campaign, or um, I, I guess some of it does go to foundations and things like that, donations, so that's kind of cool. But these quotes, they, they struck me, and um, I don't know, Pastor Tony, he likes to always quote things, and I tend to like to make fun of quotes, so here's my stab of that. Um, it, this one says, be more splendid, be more extraordinary, use every moment to fill yourself up. So. I don't know if that's like an over-spiritualization of getting more coffee or something, but, um, you know, just the idea of using every moment to fill yourself up. And then these other quotes here, it says, follow your passion. It will lead you to your purpose. I don't know about you guys, but I'm passionate about a lot of things, especially bacon. And I'm not sure I'm going to find too much purpose in that. Maybe. I don't know. Again, I just like to make fun of things. But um, this other one says, the only courage you ever need is the courage to live the life you want. And uh, I used to live the life I wanted, and I didn't get too far, really, just being honest. So I'm just looking at these quotes, and I'm like, I mean, they're cool. They're, they're, they're nice quotes, right? They're nice to look at, and it's like, well, that's a cool idea. But, but when you really think about it, I, I just don't see how this points to anything beneficial. And now, especially now knowing that I have my hope in Christ, I'm like, I, I just don't see it. And then um, you guys might be familiar with some of these sayings, uh, trust in yourself. I think that's pretty big in our culture today. This idea of, you know, be your own person, trust in yourself. If you would just get enough courage and trust yourself, like, you can do, you know, whatever you want, whether your ideas are bad or not, right? And then another quote I found on the Internet, um, life has an odd way of making things work out in the end. So whatever your definition of life is, um, go with it, and you don't have to be really intentional about it. It's just going to work out. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. That, it's just... To me, it's, it's really, um, really uh, backing up the truth of this, this verse in Isaiah, where we've gone astray. We, we put our trust in, we put so much trust in ourselves, which can be a good thing. Um, we put so much trust in ourselves, we put so much trust in Oprah, you know, quotes and, and self-help, things like that. We put so much trust in, um, in our definition of life, which can change based on our emotions, right? I think we can all agree that we're emotional human beings. And, Whatever we're emotionally uh, attached to today might not be might be different tomorrow. So whatever our def definition of life is, you know, follow that. And uh, I know for me, uh, I'm just gonna call myself out on this. I I allow things to uh, lead my life. I allow myself to follow things that may not be beneficial. Not that they're all bad, but um, let me just show you some things that, like for me, <laughs> some of you guys might recognize the symbols. Some of you guys know I used to work at Apple, and um, for me it was like you know we get discounts there and. When a discount comes, I'm like, I want that. You know, I need to follow that. Like, that's, that's going to make me happy. I want that. So I reprioritize, you know, my finances, my 
whatever. I'll take a day off of work and go to a launch, right? Get a new iPhone, because that's something I need to do. And <laughs> I, I think these are just some of the voices, like, like I said, for me that I tend to follow. When I was 18, um, you know, you get, you're 18, you get in the mail, you're qualified for, you know, whatever you want. And I'm like, that's cool. I can be happy and you know, do whatever I want. Live my life to the fullest, right? And that's how I'm going to do it. So I'm just saying that's a bad idea. So those of you guys who are 18, I, I wouldn't do that. Um, I'm just, <laughs> just saying from experience. Um, and then, you know, like clothing stores and things like that, I get so many emails and it's like, hey, 40% off this, like you need this. And I'm like, yeah, you're right, I do need that. <laughs> and it's like, no, not really. I should probably save my money and spend it on my, my son or something, you know, something <laughs> beneficial. So I'm not saying that these are bad, but these are just me admitting, like these are some things that I tend, I can, I can tend to allow, like lead my decision making in life. And not that they're bad things within themselves, but it's just how you, how you approach them, how you deal with them, right? And I'm sure you guys have some things in your mind that you're thinking of now in, in the same way. So I'll have to say, no, no matter what our week has been like, no matter the day by day of our week um, or our situation, we have to deal with this idea of who are we gonna let lead us? Who are we gonna allow us to follow? What, who or what are we allowing follow or lead us? So that's a, that's a question that, um, I've been struggling with, I've been wrestling with as I go through this passage, and hopefully that's something we would all think about together. So, but Jesus makes a claim, right? That's what, that's what we're talking about, Jesus in his own words. He makes a claim that is just awesome. It's really extraordinary, it's really challenging. So we're going to go to uh, John, the book of John, John chapter 10. So if you guys would flip over a few hundred pages to your right, go to John. As you're getting there, um, this is the, actually the sixth claim that, we've, that we're going to be going over. So if you guys have missed the past five claims of, of who Jesus says he is, I encourage you guys to go online, Vimeo, check it out, check out the podcast. And um, this is the sixth statement he's making. And the way, we're, the way I'm going to go through it is uh, the rest of chapter 10 here, I'm going to go through this passage verse by verse and kind of just break it down into, to kind of what's going on. And at the end, I'm just going to just pose a couple questions for us to, to wrestle with. Um, but before that, last week, if you guys weren't here last week, Pastor Tony, he took us through uh, chapter, ch pretty much all of chapter 9 and the beginning of chapter 10, in which case uh, we saw that there was this blind man who Jesus healed, he was no longer blind, and then the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, they came around and they're like, oh, we can't do that, it's a Sabbath, and um, pretty much exiled the blind man from the church for, for believing in Jesus. And Jesus makes an extraordinary claim, he says, uh, actually, I am the gate. I am the door. I am the only way to get to God. So if there's a door, I'm it, and the only way to get to God is through Jesus. So that's the claim he makes. Pretty bold, pretty crazy. And um, that's where we get into the next claim here. We're kind of, uh, it's kind of going in on the same conversation uh, Jesus is having with the Pharisees. So with that, we pick up at verse 11, where it says, right off the bat, he says, this is Jesus speaking, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So this is Jesus' claim. I am the good shepherd. I thought it'd be good to you know, say what is a shepherd. I'm not sure that all, all of us are pretty in tune to shepherding a flock of animals, but maybe some of us are. Um, a shepherd is, you know, in this day, somebody who tends sheep, somebody who uh, leads a, a big flock of sheep by their voice, um, taking them from one pen to another protecting them and, and essentially just loving them. Because uh, for a shepherd in this day, that would, they would kind of need that for, for survival in a way. They would, 
They would use sheep for wool, they would use sheep for dairy, and, and for things like that, for food too. And um, so the shepherd had a, had a pretty big job there. And one thing I want to point out here is that Jesus says that I am the good shepherd. Some, for me, at least, in my mind, when I look at that, I'm like, oh, that's good. You know, what is, what is a good shepherd? Um, in, the, in the Greek, actually, it's, it's this word kalos, which means noble, worthy, admirable. So it's a little bit more than, like, at least what I would think of something being good. Like, I, I can think, like, oh, he's a good shepherd. He babysits sheep. That's cute. <laughs> cute, bro. You know, that's cool. But it's more than that. It's more, it's like a noble leader uh, of, of sheep. So more than just good as, as I would think of it. And then, again, he calls us, uh, he talks to us about as if we're sheep, right? So sheep are, uh, from what I've studied or know about sheep, um, they're defenseless animals. They, they flee at the sight of attack or a sight of conflict. And he's referring to us as sheep, which uh, that's not completely flattering. I kind of wish he would refer to us as like a lion or, I don't know, a zebra or something cool like that. But he refers to us as a sheep. I like zebras. I don't know. And um, one thing that's true, though, he doesn't refer to us as monkeys. Just saying. Um, <laughs> but anyways, uh, Jesus, um, the next part he says here, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So this is profound. He says that Jesus doesn't just come to, to fill himself up, right? Like, like our Starbucks cup might tell us, that we should just fill ourselves up in our lives, or just fill us up of ourselves. Jesus doesn't come to fill himself up. He, he came to lay down his life to protect his people. That's what he came to do, and he laid down his life to do that. So the, the thing is that he gives himself up for us. And this is a, this is a claim, if, if we accept this claim, this is a claim to trust Jesus to, to lead our, our daily lives, to lead our weeks. What are we... What are we doing in our thought process to think like, okay, how would Jesus lead me in this? How is Jesus going to lead our life? Uh, Romans 5 says, uh, says something really good in, in part on, to this statement here. Uh, Romans 5, uh, 6 through 10, I'm just going to read it for you guys. It says, you see, this is Paul talking, you see, at just the right time, when we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we were those astray sheep. We were the ones who were disobedient, yet he died for us, right? No one takes his life. He gives it freely for us. This is what the, the good shepherd does. This is what he does. And then it goes on to talk a little bit about um, a really good thing about the gospel. He just says, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having reconciled shall we be saved through his life? That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that he wants, to, he wants us to trust him because he's going to lead us in the right direction. And then um, going on to, to verse 12 and 13 here, he goes on to say, again, he's, he's talking to the Pharisees here. Though this, this entire passage is very applicable to our lives, he is having a conversation with the Pharisees here. And that picks up again in 12... 12 and 13, he says, The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for his sheep. Something pretty profound here. He just says, and he's talking about the Pharisees here as being hired hands, people who are just um, not caring for the sheep at all. But Jesus is saying that, if, if these are the hired hands and they don't own the sheep, well, Jesus owns the sheep, right? 
So no one else owns the sheep, not these religious leaders. They don't have, they don't have the control that they were saying that they had on, in the people's lives, right? Jesus alone is king. He is ruler. He is savior. And that's such a good thing to know that because I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty bad at leading people most of the time. And knowing that Jesus is good, the good shepherd is very encouraging, knowing that he is the owner of that and not so much, not so much us in that way. So the problem with the Pharisees is that they were the hired hands. So they were the people who were supposed to love the people that they were shepherding, supposed to love the people that they were looking after. And they were supposed to do that in a way that would point back to God, that would point to Jesus. And we see an example of them disobeying that with the blind man. They exiled him. They didn't love him. They didn't care to know what, what um, miracles uh, the actual Messiah was doing, Christ was doing. They exiled him. And I think that, I think some of us are, have fallen victim to this ourselves. Maybe we've been part of churches in the past or, or spiritual leaders in the past who, who have just really taken control of that and kind of burned us out in that way. I know when I was talking to my grandmother who just passed away, we would, we would talk about church and kind of why, um, why she didn't really go to a church anymore. And basically, um, the person in charge of leading them was a hired hand. They didn't care anything for their sheep. And it, made, it was made very apparent when, when, something, when she needed something and something arose and that was challenging. They just left. They just allowed the, the people to scatter and be directionless. So for some of you guys, you might have had that experience. And, and I'm sorry about that. I, 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 you know, that thing hap that, that happens. We are sinners. We are people who, who are going to fail each other. But obviously, that's not an excuse. But the good thing is that the good shepherd, he, he wants to lead us. And the um, thing is that the Pharisees knew better than this. So the Pharisees who exiled this man, this blind man, they knew better. They would have um, known the Old Testament front and back, right? So in 1 Samuel, we see, we see David talking. You guys might have um, known about King David. He, he was a king, but before he was a king, he was a shepherd, right? So to go back to the analogy, in 1 Samuel 17, 34 to 35, it picks up and says, But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. That's what a shepherd does. It rescues their sheep. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. So that's pretty crazy. Um, I told you I'm kind of a Bible nerd. I, was, I, I like the ESV, and I was reading the ESV, and I was like, does that really say that? And uh, in the NIV, it says, when it turned on me, I seized it by the hair and struck it and killed it. The ESV says... Uh, when, I, when it turned on me, I seized it by its beard and struck it and killed it. No one else think it's funny, but I think it's funny. I was like, you just grab an animal by its beard? I'm like, that's funny. Maybe because I have a beard, I don't know. But anyways, <laughs> um, so this is what the Pharisees, the Pharisees would have had this model available for them, knowing that, yeah, they are in, they are in charge to a point of like shepherding their, their people, making sure they're protected and safe. And... Um, like I said, for some of us, we, we've fallen victim to that maybe in the past, and I'm sorry about that. Um, as leaders, as spiritual leaders, as uh, leaders in this church, uh, we, we definitely need to be humbled in this way. Tony, Pastor Tony was talking about this last week, the scary idea of, you know, if, uh, if, if we don't do this at Medina, if us leaders are not loving our people, not showing them the door, right, Jesus being the door, not showing them that, not pointing back to the gospel of Jesus Christ every time, then flee. <laughs> Get up and flee, because... Otherwise, we're just taking you directionless. So that's what we're saying here about the Pharisees. But he's also saying that there's hope, 
okay? So he's a good shepherd, and he repeats it over and over again, I think four or five times in this passage. So going to um, verse 14 here, he says again, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I, again, I lay down my life for the sheep. So regardless of the, the hired hands, the Pharisees, the people who have, who have sought to lead us astray when they were supposed to lo- love on us, um, he points us back to himself. He's the good shepherd. The good shepherd is the one that um, he wants to lead us, and he wants us to follow him. And the fact that he says here that I know my sheep and my sheep know me, that shows that he's uh, a relational God, right? He, he knows you. He knows us by name. Much like a, a shepherd would have known their sheep by name and called them, and they would follow him wherever he's going, follow him to safety. I think um, one thing I read was that sheep, when they tend to follow themselves, they'll, they'll even follow themselves off a cliff. I'm like, that's pretty, that's pretty stupid. But that's what they do. That's what happens. So much like we, we are astray. But, but Jesus says, I want to know you, and you get, the, you get the opportunity to know me, Jesus, who is God. And I think this is a, also a claim to, uh, to Didi, saying that he, he knows the Father, and then the Father knows me. Um, who knows their Father but the Son, right? And so if Jesus is the Son of God, he's proclaiming that he himself is God, and that we can trust him in that. So redundantly, but importantly, he again tells us that he lays down his life. He lays it down for his sheep. And um, I think he, he's redundant in saying this because um, it, wasn't, it wasn't people who, who sought to murder him, but he actually came in here with a plan to allow himself to, to die for his sheep. It's pretty profound. Let's pick up back in verse 16. It says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. So this isn't just an in- insider conversation for, for followers of Christ, right? This is a conversation for that, that Jesus would have been talking to the Pharisees and saying, hey, no. Um, God, who, who you think God is just for you guys, just for the Jews, just for the religious leaders in that day. It's actually for the Gentiles, too. It's actually for everyone else, and you need to recognize that. And then I think much like he would, much like for us as Christians, if you guys are a follower of Christ, Jesus is not just for, for Christians. And not just, Jesus is not just for followers of Christ. He's for all, all everybody. He wants to bring everybody back into his fold, and he wants everybody to to lovingly um, be, be led by him because he knows, he knows the, the way for us. He knows us. So um, this is a call to something called an under-shepherd. So somebody who is under-shepherd of the good shepherd, right? So what we see here, I, I really see this in John 21 where he's given this idea of the under-shepherd. I'm just going to flip there and say it to you. Later on in this, uh, this book, John 21, we see Jesus uh, having a conversation with Peter. And he kind of says this idea of the under-shepherd here. It says in verse 15, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, referring to us as sheep and lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. So it's pretty important, but uh, indundantly important. But he's saying, well, Peter, if you love me, if you love me and you know that I'm, you know, Jesus, I'm God, then, then feed my sheep, love my sheep, take care of my sheep. And um, 
this is the way that I think God wants us to demonstrate our love for him is by, by loving other people, by shepherding his flock. And of course, I just talked about the hired hand and um, how scary that could be for us as we, as we try to do that. Um, but he, he does call us to be under shepherds. And he calls us in a way that is pretty opposite from the Pharisees. So if you're like, well, how do you be an under-shepherd? I think uh, 1 Peter says it pretty well here. I'll go there for you, too. 1 Peter 5, 2-4, it says, um, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So unlike, um, very opposite of this, that's what the Pharisees were doing. They, they didn't do it um, out of, they did it out of obligation, not out of the will of God, it seems like, to, to lead these people. They did it for selfish gain, for, for the greed of money. They did it um, not because they were eager to serve, but they were lording it over them over the people, their, their power and their, their entitlement to knowing God. So that's what the, the Pharisees are doing here. But um, again, like I said, uh, Jesus is the good shepherd and he, he leads us back to himself. So those are some ways that you know, being an under shepherd should look like, but the Pharisees did not go ahead and do. And then final, the final couple of verses here, um, verse 17 says, the real I'm sorry, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down my life on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Again, he keeps, he keeps reiterating this topic here, that uh, the good shepherd alone, he is the one who, who is the one who primarily looks after his people. He's the one who lays down his life for his people. If if a shepherd, like we're talking about in, in their, their day, if they were to die for their sheep, well, they would leave their sheep defenseless still, right? There would be no, unless they had a backup plan, another shepherd, but they would leave their people behind if they were to do this. That's why Jesus is saying, I am the only good shepherd, the one worth leading, the one worth um, following. And that's someone, this is someone that I think that we really could look to, to following. Any other shepherd that dies, again, would just leave us stranded. Um, the hired hands, uh, they, they lead us stranded to the people like this who, who don't love their sheep. Another verse that, uh, based on this, another verse that's really been on my heart all week, especially what's going on in my week, was Revelation 21. And I think this just shows, shows his love for us as a shepherd so much too. Jesus says he, um, it refers to him as, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the older, or, sorry, for the old order of things have passed away. So Revelations 21, Jesus wants, us, wants to lead us to eternal life, right? So when, when we call Jesus the good shepherd, we're saying that every aspect of my life, I want to be led by you. And where I'm going to be led? Well, he's going to lead us to eternal life, and he's the only one who can do that. That's his claim. That's what he's saying here. And he wants us to, to accept that, and he wants us to trust that. And that's, I understand that's a hard thing for us to do. And... Um, the Pharisees, they missed it, and they were the religious leaders of the time. So how, how scary that is for, for even me, who is someone up here, you know, trying to lead people into to his word. So with all that to say, um, I want to invite the band up, and I, I want to give us just two practical questions that, that we can really wrestle with um, and, and take on as, as we go on our week this week.
the first question here that I'd like for us to wrestle with is, will you accept this claim? Very simple, will you accept this claim? Though I understand that it's not very simple to, to, to wrestle with this question. Again, the, the Pharisees, um, the next uh, couple of verses in this, this chapter, this paragraph here, talks about how um, the Pharisees were asked this question too. And verse 19 says, at these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So they're wrestling with this question too. They're saying, well, is this guy insane? Is it insane to think that he is the only good shepherd, the only one who can lead our decision-making in everyday life? Or is he not insane? Does he actually, is he true? Is this, is this a real claim that he made by himself? And if this claim isn't true, then, well, it's hard to say that all the other claims are true too, right? So I think this, uh, this question, it might sound like this question is pointed at people who are not followers of Christ, but I think very much for, for those who say that Christ is, is their savior, who follow Christ as well, this is a question that we have to really wrestle with too. Now, we can, we can say, we can agree with last week's claim and say, well, yeah, I believe that Jesus is the door. I believe the only way to get to God is through Jesus, right? But it's a whole different conversation when, when you have to believe Will, he, will I allow my everyday decision-making be led by him? Because I can easily say, yeah, I know he's God, but when it comes down to it, when, when I'm looking at uh, my needs and my wants emotionally, is it in line with what Jesus is saying? Am I gonna blow the money that I should be saving for like my son or my family and get all the Apple products I want, right? That kind of deal. So um, he, he says he's the door and he is also the good shepherd and he wants us to, he wants to be, leading us in our lives. That's the first claim, and uh, will we accept this claim? The next question I think we have to ask ourselves is, will you help lead people to Jesus? So those of us who, you know, who are Christ followers, will we lead people to Jesus? Those of us who accept these claims, will we do this? Will we be that concept of the under-shepherd? Will we love our people um, and want to see our people come to know Jesus? not even just Christians, but people who, who don't know the Lord, people who don't have the hope in Christ. Um, one of the best examples I can think of is like our life group leaders. Some of you guys are in, our, in this room might be life group leaders, and I just want to shout out to you guys and say thank you. Like You guys are awesome examples of under-shepherds. They, they sacrifice their homes, their, their time, their, their finances, and you know, their sanity for, for the most part to, to, lead, to lead people in their homes every, um, every week. To, to come to, to see Jesus, and they, they point to him. They're not perfect, but they, they're, they're charging, of the, they're taking the task of being an under-shepherd. And then um, this isn't just for life group leaders either, though. This is, uh, I, I think we have to look into all the spaces that, we, that we're in, like our workspace, our, our home life, you know, school. How are we um, looking at ourselves as being the under-shepherd? Do we see that call? Do we, do we always want to point to who's leading us? Do we find that beneficial for just us? Are we just hoarding that to ourselves, or, or are we going to actually um, be a part of that for other people? Um, I know for me, this is, uh, you know, my, my family, um, mostly non-believers, and when my, when my grandmother passed away those last couple of days, um, they, they asked me to officiate the funeral. And well, first of all, I was like, uh, I, I called Pastor Tony, I'm like, am I allowed to do this? Do I have to have, like, a permit or something? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. And... Um, but I think that's an idea of under-shepherd, you know. Uh, situations call us to, to lead our family and call us to lead, lead people who, 
who might not, who might be far from God, who might have led astray and gone their own way. But uh, I remember, uh, I mean, of course I remember, I did this yesterday, <laughs> and uh, just being able to lead my family in that way, pointing them back to Christ, and um, celebrating the life and mourning death of my grandma. It, it's things like that, that uh, I think Jesus is really calling us to be under shepherds. So that's the next question, that's the last question I want us to wrestle with in our weeks. How, um, how will we help lead people back to Jesus? So that's all I got for us today, guys. That's um, the sixth claim that we're going through, that Jesus says that I am the good shepherd. I think it's a call for us to trust in him and to be led by him. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we just, uh, man, I just, I just humbly look to you, and Lord, I, uh, man, I struggle with this. I, you call, call me to give up my, I don't know, maybe my passions or desires sometimes. Sometimes they're not in line of you, and Lord, I know you don't do that because you don't want me to be happy, but Lord, you, you lead to eternal life, and you want me to be ultimately happy. And Lord, sometimes that's just hard to, to grasp and to wrestle with, especially as we go in our day-to-day and make, make small choices that, that add up in the end, Lord. So Father, I pray that you would, um, you would give us the strength to, to see you for who you are, to accept this claim of being the good shepherd, Lord. For some of us who, who might not know you here in this, this room, I'm, I'm not saying that we all are, are Christ followers, but Lord, that you would show them what that means, that being the good shepherd, uh, again, that you're not leading us to leading us astray, you're leading us to eternal life. You say that you're the only one who can do that, the only one who can give us the door to God and, and to be led by. So Father, uh, I pray that as we go on in our week and our day, I, I pray that you would show us how to very practically be an under-shepherd for you humbly, Lord, not as the Pharisees, lording it over other people, saying, oh, I'm in charge here. And, and ultimately pushing people away from the gospel, but how, how can I lead people to you in your name, Jesus? How can I make that play out very practically in, in my decision-making to allow it to be shown to somebody else? So Jesus, I, I pray that you reveal yourself to us. I pray that in the coming weeks, as we see some more of your claims, that we would wrestle with those claims and, and come to know that you, Jesus, are God, and you love us and you know us. So it's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.